You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. All right, you guys can have a seat. Thanks. Again, if you're visiting, just a thank you for uh, celebrating this Sunday with us. Uh, we are grateful that you would come. Uh, for, for Christians, I, this, is, this is our Super Bowl. I mean, this is, this is it. I know for, if you're an, a Falcons fan, you don't know what a Super Bowl win is, but um, it's a win, all right? It's a win. And so uh, we celebrate the victory of Christ, um, and, and that's why we're here. Last Sunday, we were celebrating baptism, and uh, as I was getting ready, and this has come up all week long, so just so you know, I'm just going to put it out there now. So I'm getting ready. It's early in the morning. Um, uh, in, in my kind of closet there, it's dark. Everyone's kind of sleeping still like usual. And I'm running a little behind, but, but not, you know, not, nothing crazy. And, um, and so I'm getting dressed, and I, I grab my shoes. Okay, you know where this is going. All right. And, and so, just, <laughs> all right. So I grab, I can tell that one's right and one's left. I have these, I have two pairs of shoes that I've had since college because I don't like change. And one's black and one's brown, Right. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm a pretty simple dude, but I have a couple fashion faux pas that drive me bonkers. Number one is when men wear their belts backwards. It drives me nuts. Yes, there's a right and wrong way. If you want to know, come up after the service. I'll tell you. All right. Number two, men who wear bow ties but don't tie it themselves. If you got to wear a clip-on, then don't wear the tie. You know what I'm saying? That's why God created YouTube. Okay, folks? Number three... When your shoes don't match your belt. All right, this is poor fathering on someone's behalf. If you got black shoes and a brown belt, you, or, or vice versa, and then you, and your watch, that's the bonus too. Your watch and your belt and your shoes should match. You are welcome, men, all right, for this lesson, this Easter lesson for you. So what happens last week, like a long story short, is in the dark, I grab one black, one brown. And I head to church. I got no clue. I'm standing out front 10 minutes before the service. It's bright and sunny. I'm happy. It's a good day. We're going to have baptism. Someone says, hey, dude, you got two color shoes on. (laughs) I look down. Sure enough. I call my wife. She doesn't answer. It's over. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, we're going. We're rolling with this. Unless I go all barefoot. Barefoot preacher. Um, All because... I got dressed in the dark. And, and, and this is bothering the whole front, all the ladies in the first three rows, the whole service, they don't hear anything. They're just tilting their heads. <laughs> is it the light? I, just, I can't tell if it's the light or does he really have, no, he really had two colored shoes on. All right? That's what happens when you get dressed in the dark. That's what happens when you cannot see when you're blind. And, and 2,000 years ago, as Jesus came to the earth, the Gospel of John says, uh, beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then it says that he was the light of men. He brought light. His life was the light of men. Right? And as he lived on this earth, he proclaimed himself to be the light of the world. You follow him, you will not walk in darkness, you'll have the light of life. I have come into the world that, as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This idea of Jesus as light, he did not want us to walk in darkness. He didn't want you with two different color shoes on, right? He came that we might have light and life. And so here's the question I want to ask and answer today. What are you doing with the light? How have you responded to Jesus as the light? 
right? Are you, are you wearing two different color shoes? Are you walking in darkness? We're going to look at a text briefly because I don't got a lot of time because we've got three services. So we're going to move. Uh, but we're going to look at a text in John chapter 9. And we're going to see three different responses to Jesus as light. And all three of those responses are in this room right now. You're one of the three. And so all I want you to ask and answer today, this, this Easter Sunday, is which one am I? Because you're one of the three. Right? This, this story, this narrative takes place on the heels of something uh, a pretty revolutionary for, for the Gospel of John. Jesus is in the temple and he makes this startling statement. He says to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. And, and that, that argues not only for his pre-existence, but he doesn't say before Abraham I was. He says I am because he's alluding to the Old Testament name Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God in the Old Testament. He's basically claiming to be the Yahweh of the Old Testament. So the, for the Pharisees, the religious leaders want to kill him and they try to kill him, but he escapes. And as he leaves the temple after proclaiming himself yet again to be God, here's where our story picks up. Verses one and two. As he passed by, he saw a, blind, a man blind from birth. So you got a guy who's never seen anything. He was born, it was dark. He's never seen the faces of his mom. He's never seen the sky. He's never seen the food he's eaten. He's never seen nothing. Which meant he lived a life, it was very lonely, the life of a beggar. Couldn't work, never gonna get married, never gonna have a family, never gonna be supported his mom and dad like a, like a young man was supposed to in that day. Very, very, very dark existence in that culture. And so he's born blind, and they walk by him, and his disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because there was this, this teaching of the Pharisees, basically it was karma, Christian karma. If you're good, good things happen. If you're bad, bad things happen. So somebody did something bad. Either his mama was bad, or he did something bad in the womb. That's why he's blind. And the disciples ask him, Jesus, which one is it, his mom or him? Whose fault? Whenever you're going to ask Jesus a question, by the way, don't ask him multiple questions. Just leave it open-ended, right? Because Jesus says none of the above. Verse 3. This thing's not on. There you go. Verse 3. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He says, neither. None of the above. It's, he was born blind to, for today, for what you're going to see happen. For we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Day is referring to the time that Jesus is, is here with us on earth. Night is coming when Jesus is going to leave. He says when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There it is again. He is light. So after answering the question, and this, this passage is going to make some of you germaphone mamas really uncomfortable. You hand sandy people, this is going to really, you're going to, you know, you're just really going to cringe here. But Jesus spits on the ground. And makes mud. I don't know how much spit's necessary to make mud, but it's not just like a little. And I, you know, growing up in the church, you know, you saw the, all the pictures of Jesus. You got your children's Bible, Jesus walking on water, Jesus healing the God, Jesus doing. I never saw a picture of Jesus hawking a loogie. <laughs> never saw that one. But here it is. And so he spits multiple times and he makes a mud pie. And then he takes that mud pie, and, and the text, the ESV says anointed, but the, really the Greek word is smeared. It just kind of makes it a little holier when it's anointed, but it's a smear. He picks up the mud, and he smears it on this guy's eyes, and he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And that's significant because Jesus is the one sent from heaven, and then he's going to send this guy to wash. He said, why in the world does Jesus do it like this? 
There's nothing holy about Jesus' spit, by the way. Not like holy spit. Woo, you know, they don't have a vial of it in some church in Greece right now. There's holy spit, right? Why does he do it this way? Because he's picking a fight, in essence. Because he's, he's breaking some laws. He's breaking some rules of the Pharisees. At least three. Rule number one um, is that you're not allowed to heal on a, on a Saturday. And we're going to find out it's a Saturday. And you can heal on Tuesday. You can heal on a Thursday, but you can't heal on a Saturday unless someone's life in danger. His life is not in danger, so he's about to heal a guy on a Saturday. Big, big no-no from the Pharisees. Rule number two, uh, this making a mud pie was considered kneading. I know that's weird, right, kneading mud, but that's what it was considered. It was a, it was a rule against kneading on the Sabbath. So his little mud pie is against the rules. And then the third thing is he, ma- he sends him to this, this pool of Siloam, which means this guy is going to break the Saturday spiritual Fitbit rule. Pharisees said, oh, get your Fitbit on. You're only allowed to ro- march so many steps on a Saturday. Well, he's going to break the rule. And so Jesus is breaking the man-made rules, not God's rule, and it's going to cause a, a battle that's about to come here. But the man does it. He goes and he washes. Now, he, does, he can't just walk there on his own, so he gets someone to help him. And can you picture he gets down in this water and he starts washing this crusty mud, and something's different. He, he sees, I mean, even though his eyes are closed, he starts, there's, there's a color or something different. And he opens his eyes, and for the first time, this man sees, right? He, he maybe sees his reflection. He sees what he looks like. He sees what a person looks like. He's never seen a person. He sees the sky. He sees color. How amazing would that moment be? The joy that was probably there. All his life, he's been in the dark. And people are blown away. They don't, they don't know what to do with this guy. Verse eight. And the neighbors, of those, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, he's been there for years outside the temple. They say, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, yes, that's him. Another said, no, no, it's, it's, it's just his twin. It's his doppelganger. It's, it's just a guy who looks like him. No, he said, and he keeps saying, no, it's me. It's me. He's keep trying to argue, it's, it's me, it's me, it's me. And no one's believing her. Some people are and some people not. And so they ask him, how in the world are your eyes open? How, how did this happen? He says, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said, go and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said, where is he? He said, I don't know. I was blind until like three minutes ago. I don't know. Where, I don't even know what he looks like. And so they, they bring in the Pharisees, of course. And in, in walk the Pharisees with the clipboards. And the little pencil, you know, thing right here. And they brought the man who had been formerly blind. It was a Sabbath. Uh-oh, right? Jesus made mud on a Sabbath. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said, he put mud on my eyes. I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. That's a bad thing. Check. All right. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And so there's this division that's starting. It's good logic. I mean... Yeah, he did this on a Saturday, but I mean, who else can do this? And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Did he open your eyes? How, how, since he's opened your eyes. Again, he's never seen the guy. He, he says, I, I, he's a prophet. That's kind of his highest thing he can go to. He must be a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he received sight. They start, oh, he was a fraud. This smells of tele, televangelist on TV is a plant. You're right, you weren't really blind. You, you, you were just faking it. You just want to put a, a sign up there, right? You just want to, you know, trick everybody, right? And so they, they said, get his parents in here. 
Let's get his parents. And so they bring his parents to the man who received his sight. And they ask his parents, is this your son? Do you say was born blind? How does he see? And his parents, his parents are weak sauce parents. They just are. His parents answer, we know this is our son. We know he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Maybe you're like, oh, maybe they just weren't there. No, John John tells us his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already argued if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents sold him out. Right? You see, his parents were in the, they had their favorite little synagogue Sunday school that had Krispy Kreme every Saturday morning. And they didn't want to get kicked out of their little favorite class that they had been in for years. And so they sell their poor blind son out and they don't want to admit that something legit has happened here and it was done by Jesus. So they sell out their son so they can stay in their Sunday school class and have their Krispy Kreme. And so there's a second time they go to the blind man, the formerly blind, who had, and said to him, give glory to God. And this, is a, this is a Hebrew idiom that just means tell the truth. Tell us the truth. We know this man is a sinner. And he answered, I don't know anything about that. I ain't never seen him before. I told you. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, although I was blind, now I see. It's the third time he said that. Third time. And they said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And this is where the guy starts getting a little snarly, and I like him. (laughs) He says, I told you already. You wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also, circle that word in your mind, in your Bible, do you also want to become his disciples? Right? See, I like this guy. Because what he's thinking is, I don't know much about him, but he opened my eyes, so I'm with this guy. Right? I'm with this guy. And then they get all, now that that was the worst thing they could have said. They reviled him. It's a word to mock and make fun of and insult. They're cursing him. You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he comes from. We don't know where he is from. And he says, again, he's great. He says, well, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God, he gets, he gets all logical on him. This uneducated, can't read, never, he couldn't read, he didn't seen a book before. Right? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and, and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind man, a man more blind, which is true, by the way. Not one time in the Old Testament was one blind person healed. By the way, that was also a sign that the Messiah would, would, would be here is that the blind would receive sight, prophet Isaiah. And so he, he concludes, if this man were not from God, he could not do it. Right? He, he, he couldn't do this kind of thing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. That's where all they go. They go back to, they go back to what the apostles asked in the beginning, remember? Is this guy, was it his father or his mom? You're just born in sin. And they kicked him out. Isn't that great? He ain't even been seen a day. He's already kicked out of church. <laughs> they did him a favor. Right? And I love this, this, the, the conclusion here of the text. And Jesus heard they had cast him out. And having found him, don't miss that. Jesus finds him. Now, he doesn't know what Jesus looks like, so he could be looking for Jesus and never find him because he's never seen Jesus. So so Jesus finds him, and he says, do you believe in this son of man? That's one of Jesus' most favorite 
titles for himself. It's a messianic title. It's the idea of God. It's out of Daniel. It's, it's the idea is God becoming man and being king. That's all in there in that son of man. And, and Jesus says, do you believe in the son of man? And his response is great. He still doesn't get it completely, but he's, he's listening. He says, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? You tell me, I'll believe it. You, you baby see. You tell me who the son of man is, I'll believe in him. He says, you're looking at him, babe. That's the NIV. <laughs> right? You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And his response I believe, and he worships right there. And by the way, Jesus receives that worship. He receives it. It's often been said, oh, Jesus didn't ever claim to be God. Jesus, that is, that is a lie. He multiple times did. And one of the ways he claimed to be God was receiving worship. If he's not God for him to receive worship makes him a blasphemer. If he's a blasphemer, he's not a good man. So you can't say Jesus is just a good teacher because he received worship. If he's good and he receives worship, he is deceiving people into making him believe he's God. The only is right for him to be worshiped if he is truly God, which he is. And so he receives this worship. And then the whole point of the narrative, the whole summary statement that John gets, Jesus says this, for judgment, and it's the Greek word that means to purpose. The purpose I came was judgment into this world. That those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And he's talking spiritually here, not, not physically, although there is some physical healing. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, uh, are we also blind? Now the way the Greek text reads here, it's assumed for them in the question that they're expecting a no answer, the way they word it. So like, we're not blind, are we, Jesus? That's it. That's how they ask it. We're not blind, are we? And he, he says, yep. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And it's where we get that he's talking spiritually, spiritual blindness, right? Not just physical. What's going on here? Because you think you see, you are blind. And you're not just blind wearing two, two different color shoes. You got two complete different shoes. You got a Chaco and a cowboy boot. That's how blind you are, right? If you don't know what a Chaco is, you're probably under 40, over 40, all right? But that, that's the narrative. You got three responses. Three responses to Jesus as light. Let me, let him hit them real quick, right? First one is the parents. The parents. Who by, there's no doubt the parents have seen a bona fide miracle, right? They, they know this is their son. They know he was born blind. I mean, when he was born and they could tell something was wrong, they probably appealed to his modern medicine as best as they could. They felt the weight of a son who was blind. This son was supposed to take care of them when they get old and can't work. That's the way that culture worked. And so now that's never going to happen because he's barely gonna scrape by sitting outside the temple begging with the rest of the lame people. So they know all well the pain of, of what it means to be blind. So they know a miracle happened. And, and, I, and I'm telling you, they knew how it happened too. You don't think when they saw, when their son for the first time, I mean, can you imagine that mom and dad here and the son starts walking up? The son's never seen his parents. So someone has to say, that, those are your parents right there. You don't think as he ran to them and embraced them and they said, what in the world happened? You don't think he said, spit Mud, wash, Jesus. You don't think he told them? You know he told them. 
And everyone had been talking about it. Everyone, everyone knew what happened. So they got all the info. They saw firsthand a legitimate miracle. And how do they respond to the light of Jesus? They try to remain neutral. They want to be on the fence. Right? All they really care about is what's, what's it going to cost me? If we acknowledge this publicly, what's happened, who Jesus is, what he's done, what it's, what's it going to cost me? It's going to cost me my Krispy Kreme Sunday school class. That's for sure. I'm out of the synagogue. I don't know if it's worth that. I'm going to be neutral. I'm going to try to stay in the middle. See, last week when I had my two different color shoes on, all the ladies in the front three rows and all the guys, most of them saw it, but they said nothing. They just let me suffer in silence. Right? I had a few loving brothers come up to me and say, hey, bro, your shoes. I got one, one of our worship leaders, super gracious guy, I won't say his name, but it rhymes with Rue, who texted me this earlier this week. Go to that text. Such an encouraging brother. (laughs) By the way, he doesn't have a real bow tie on, I'm just telling you. Anyway. This is the encouragement we get on a weekly basis at this church. Just... Bunch of people scared to say the truth. Stand up, right? But yet, here's two people that know the truth and they want to stay neutral. Some people have seen the work of God. They heard, have heard the gospel of Jesus. They've seen legitimate change in people's lives. They've seen the joy that, that he brings uh, to different people. They've, they've experienced all this. They have the scriptures. They have all this truth, and they still just want to stay on the fence, right, and stay neutral. They're okay being around it all. I'll come to church. I'll come to CBC. I'll, I'll go to Easter. I'll, I'll do a little bit of this, and I'll hang out. But, but there's no, when, it, when there's a call to follow, when there might be a cost, what are my friends going to think? What are my spouse going to think? What are my parents going to think? What's my professors? What are my employees? When there's a cost there, or uh, knowing that Jesus calls us to turn from sin, but I really like this sin. I, really, I don't really want to get rid of that right now. Or maybe I'm a, young, I'm a teenager, I'm a 16-year-old, I'm a 20-year-old, and I got, I got lots of life to live, and so I'll just put Jesus on the kind of side burner for a little bit. I'll live my life, kind of do my wild thing, and then, you know, when I have kids, when I get a job, then I'll start going after Jesus. It's, neutral, it's being neutral. And, and are the parents here? Think about it. Are the parents seen as a positive thing or a negative? They are seen negatively. Because neutral is not neutral. There is no spiritual Switzerland. All right? Jesus says himself, you are either for me or you are against me. You're with me or you're opposed. And I, some people, and maybe this is you, you're like, I'm not opposed. No, 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 I would never say I'm opposed. I'm just kind of indifferent. Jesus would say, if you're not for me, then you're opposed to me. You actually are Right? You can't, you can't just be in the new. In my family, you, you will root for the Eagles, Phillies, and Sixers. You can't be on the fence there. You're out. <laughs> this is the way it is. My wife, a few weeks ago, she's like, let's go to a, let's go to a game up in Atlanta. I said, okay, I'll look when the Phillies are in town. Oh, we don't, need, we don't need to go see the Phillies. We'll just go. No, 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 no. I'm not spending money to see the Braves. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. If I want to see losers, I'll just walk around the mall. I mean, I don't you know. <laughs> That wasn't in my notes. 
to be, <laughs> to be neutral, to be on the fence is to be opposed. To not choose is to choose. That's what it means when Jesus says, I come to judge. There's gonna be a dividing line. There's gonna be those who fall on this side. There's gonna be those who fall on this side. You can't be on the middle, right? To stay neutral to the light of Jesus means you're walking around two different color shoes. That's one response. Let's look at another. The Pharisees, this is the obvious one, right? How, how do they respond to the light? They're clearly opposed to the light. Again, they've seen a bona fide miracle. They know, by the way, that the Old Testament never has a blind man healed. They know that. They know the Bible better than anybody. They know the prophecies of Isaiah that the Messiah would bring sight to the blind. And it doesn't matter how much proof they have. Two chapters after this, they're gonna have a bona fide miracle. Being a, blind, born, a blind born blind being healed is pretty impressive. They're gonna see a guy dead for several days come back to life, okay? That is a pretty good one. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Lazarus. And, and they're still gonna deny it. They're still gonna excuse it. Oh, he was just, oh, he's just a televangelist. Oh, he wasn't really blind. They got excuses and excuses and excuses because they don't want to admit who Jesus is. And there's some, there's some today still, maybe, maybe one of you here, that you're like, ah, the resurrection never really happened. It was a myth. They hid the body, all these things. Resurrection is one of the most validated historical facts in history. I mean, in my last year's sermon, I went through multiple proofs you can go back and listen to it. I don't have time now. Or read The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It is verifiable that Jesus came back to life. So why is it that people are opposed? Why is it the Pharisees opposed? There's really one reason. And Jesus, Jesus hit it a few chapters earlier. He says, this is the judgment. Light's coming into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light. Because their works was evil. The bottom line is the reason why people will not respond to the light while they will stay in darkness is because they love their sin. And they don't want to expose it. Light by nature exposes sin. It just does. Right? And we don't like that. I got this closet in the garage. We haven't opened it in like four years. It's got stuff when we moved in. I, I don't want to go in there and see it. That's brokenness. There's books and things that I don't, we haven't used it in four years. We don't need it. But every time I even get near it, I'm like, ooh, don't open that closet. Don't turn on that light. There's probably, a, you know, there's zombies in that thing. That's the way people are with their soul. They don't want it to be exposed. They don't want to see who they really are. They don't want to see, you to see how broken. The biggest thing for the Pharisees, and maybe for some here, that keep them from coming to the light is their pride. Is their pride. They think they see, right? Isn't that what they said later? We're not blind, are we, Jesus? They think they see, and Jesus says you're blind because you think you see. Pride is a deadly thing, right? It's the, it's the original sin. It's the sin that cast Satan from heaven, got Satan cast from heaven. It's the sin in the garden where Eve and Adam wanted to be like God, right? Pride will keep you from coming to the light. I don't wanna, you don't wanna get rid of sin. It's about me. It's about what I like. I don't wanna admit that I need a savior. I don't wanna admit that I'm blind and I'm lost. And it's, it's really silly, I mean, if you would have come up to me last week and said, Bill, you got two different color shoes on. If I would have said, I don't. You must be blind. Clearly, these are the same. Right? You think you're ludicrous. Or if I said, no, 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 this is just how it's done. The young people these days, they mix and match. <laughs> as much as I want to convince myself that may be true or that these two shoes match, they don't. 
I can lie to myself, I can try to pretend, but the bottom line is I have two different color shoes on. The bottom line is we are broken and sinful and we are needy, right? Whether you wanna admit it or not, whether you wanna come to the light or not, but their own statement reveals that they don't. We're not blind too, right? And that's some of us. That's, some, that's, that's the South. I, I know I, I got some issues, but I'm not that bad. I'm a good person. Right? I'm a good dad. I pay my taxes this past week. I'm a good boss. I show up to work on time. I love my wife. I love my kids. I volunteer. I coach T-ball. I pray. I'll figure it out. You know, this kind of idea of turning from sin and believing in, no, I think I'm good. I don't need a savior. I can, I can see. And Jesus says in verse 41, because you say you can see, your guilt remains because you got to come broken. So one of the biggest lies that Satan has told and the South has eaten it up. I said it last week. Is that all you have to do is be good? Just be good, right? Be a good person. You be a good person, you'll be all right. And if you believe that lie, you'll not spend an eternity with your Savior, right? And if you continue to believe that lie, the God of this world will blind you, as Paul says, from the glory of the gospel of Christ. So they're opposed, they don't see, they don't wanna see, they're walking around with two different shoes on, right? Because they're blind. So you have those who are neutral and those who are opposed and then you have obviously the man who is formerly blind. The guy with the least amount of knowledge, the guy with the least uh, education, right? And what what does he say? I mean, he doesn't know hardly anything, right? They ask him, where is he? I don't know. This man's a sinner. I don't know anything about that, right? He doesn't know anything except for I was blind, now I see. I got that part. And his logic is real simple, y'all. It's very similar to the logic that we have today on Easter. His logic is, I don't know much, but I couldn't see, and now I can see. So he, he solved my problem, and so I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to this guy because I can see. So whatever he says, he says he's the son of man, I believe it. Right? It's super simple, but it's really, in essence, it's the same logic we have because we are all are spiritually blind. We are walking in darkness. We've got two different color shoes on. We have a problem the Bible calls sin. You were born in sin. You were born blind, and the wages of sin is death. And so because of sin, there is death. That's a big problem. And what we remember at Easter is there is one who came, who lived the perfect life, who died as a substitute for your sin, And then he was risen again. He was declared the son of God in power through the resurrection. He solved the biggest problem. He solved your blindness. He solved the death problem. And so the logic is he's the only one who ever died and came back. That's my biggest problem. I'm hitching my wagon to that. I am, whatever he says, I may not get it all. I may have gone to public school. I may not have high IQ, I was PE teacher, but I know this, he came back to life, I'm hitching my wagon to him. It's the same logic. He says, do you believe in me? I do, because you came back from the dead. If he doesn't come back from the dead, I don't believe in him. I don't need to. And by the way, if he hasn't come back to the dead, you should be at the heritage right now, because we are wasting our time. All of Christianity hinges on the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, there's no Christianity because he was just a good dude who came and was real kind. 
but he wasn't. He wasn't a martyr. He wasn't just an example. He was a substitute. He was the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And he came back saying, it's done. It is finished. I have defeated sin and death. And now I'm hitching my wagon to him. And I believe. That's the response of the blind man. I believe. And so the question, we come back to what we talked in the beginning. Do you believe in the Son of Man? What is your response to the light? Are you neutral? Which means you're opposed. Are you opposed? Or do you believe? Do you believe? See, we all have the same light. We all have the same revelation, right? We all know the story. If not, you've been around here just long enough, you've heard it. It's all about now how you respond to the light. How do you respond? Because here's what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, and I love this quote. He said, the same sun which melts wax also hardens clay. The same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens other in their sins. That's, that's his text. Are you going to respond to the light by letting God melt your heart, or are you going to harden into clay? Are you going to respond to the good news of the gospel with repentance and faith, or are you going to let it harden you and say, I don't need that? See, Jesus doesn't want you with two shoes on, y'all, two different color. He doesn't want you in the dark. He desires to bring you into a relationship with himself, but you got to come and say, I'm blind. I got nothing. See, the blind man can't do anything for himself. That's how you come to Jesus. You don't say, hey, I got got some mad skills and I'm blind, but I can do some things. No, you come empty. And then you got to let him put stuff on your eyes. You can't do it yourself. You got to let him put the mud. And some commentators think that this this actually is a picture of, of the new creation, right? Out of clay, man was made. And so he puts clay on this man. And so he washes and now he's new. But you got to come blind. He says, you come blind, then you'll see. You come thinking you see, you're going to leave with two different color shoes on. And that's his desire. That's why God has you here today. He offers you a free gift of salvation just through believing that you're a sinner separated, that you need his grace. And we'd love, if you have more questions about that, to talk to you. We have some folks that will be in the back hall. You can, you can call the church and set up. We just want you to not be with two different color shoes on. We want you to continue to walk now in light and have life, right? It all comes down to, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe, right? And if you do, you know what the response is? It's worship, isn't it? It's worship, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship, not just do song, we're gonna go then and we're gonna worship, we're gonna follow him with our lives, right? And that's what we're gonna do. Let me pray, and we will worship uh, through singing And then we'll go, and we'll go be the church. Why don't you stand with me as I pray? Father, I pray that those here who see, you've opened their eyes. Oh, man, they could worship in spirit and in truth, that they would follow you. And maybe they've even gravitated to being on the fence a little bit, that you would just show them again of your goodness and how you are worthy to be served and loved and followed. For those who are here that may, maybe they're just sitting on the fence, maybe they're actually opposed, maybe they have questions, that you would open their eyes to the glory of the gospel of Christ. May your church celebrate, Lord Jesus, that you have opened our eyes, that you have made us see. Uh, We once were lost, but now we're found.
we were blind, but now we see. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.